Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another presentation of the Battery Power Podcast Network. It's great to be with you once again, wherever you are and wherever you're listening. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope you are well. This is a crossover episode of the Daily Hammer, as well as the podcast to be named later. And we've had a very busy Thursday, so of course, always enjoy talking with podcast to be named later co-host Stephen Tolbert, who's been kind enough to join me for this podcast. How are you, Stephen? Good talking with you again, man. What's up, Sean? Yeah, buddy, it's good to be on with you. Uh, obviously, we we thought today would be kind of a slow day, obviously, with no games and no All-Star break. And, you know, it was supposed to be kind of a slower day for us, but then the Braves just kept dropping news. And so there's quite a bit to talk about. But, yeah, it's always good to be on with you, man. Yep, same here. And, again, Ed, I, I will back this any day of the week. One of the best minds when it comes to Braves coverage. Always enjoy talking with people that I always learn something from, and that certainly is Stephen. And we're going to get right into it. Of course, you know, the usual podcast to be named later comes out on Thursdays into Fridays. Chris Willis um, uh, couldn't be on the show today, but we decided to cross over the Daily Hammer and the podcast to be named later because we're going to get right into several different stories, Stephen. And we'll start out with, you know, the news that makes the most significant impact right now. And that was the uh, news release that, um, first off, the Braves, you know, started off by saying that they had claimed outfielder Dalton Guthrie from the San Francisco Giants. But the big news was that reliever Nick Anderson, right-hander Nick Anderson, who has been one of the most valuable contributors to the Braves' bullpen this year, was placed on the 60-day IL with a shoulder strain. Now, that would put him in line to potentially return, you know, towards, you know, the kind of the, you know, mid-part of September. But, you know, let's be honest, Stephen, you know, we'll start off with that news itself. A.J. Minter had a little bit of an injury scare against the Rays coming into the All-Star break. Now we see Nick Anderson going on the IL. We've already got, you know, um, uh, a few others, Dylan Lee, um, you know, a few others that are on the, uh, on the IL as well. This Braves bullpen has been great. Best in baseball right now in a lot of different metrics. But we're starting to see a little bit of concern when it comes to injuries. Just what are your thoughts about Anderson and just the general overall scope of the bullpen as we enter the second half? Yeah, it's um, the bullpen right now. It's tough because when the Braves have as big a lead as they do, you don't actually know what is a concern and what is just a precaution, right? Like that's we were talking about that in our Slack group after the news dropped about Anderson was like, is this is this a real injury or is this like a a preemptive, you know, kind of rest, you know, for people that don't know, Nick Anderson has been hurt for the better part of two and a half years. Um, and he has not thrown many innings at all since basically 2019. I mean, he's basically gone three or four full seasons without a heavy workload. And obviously this year he's got a heavy workload. He's one of the the best relievers on the team. He's one of the most used relievers on the team. And, you know, they do, I think they've done a pretty good job throughout the year of, of giving him bigger gaps than maybe some other guys, but, 
you know, that was kind of a theory that we had kind of in our Slack was maybe this is a way to, to really, you know, calm his arm down and, and have him ready in September and October because the Braves lead is so, you know, they might not need him. And so that's a, you know, that's a legitimate thing. And so we don't know if this is a, an injury they weren't expecting. And now they've got to cover for, if this is something they're planning to, you know, you maybe use some young guys to, to bridge the gap and, um, you know, have him back for September and October where you don't have to shut him down because he's pitched too many innings. You don't really know. Obviously the team is not going to be um, forthcoming with any of that information. So, but yeah, you know, Jesse Chavez has been out. Dylan Lee's been out. Um, you know, like you said, AJ had the the thing early um, or, you know, against the Rays. Uh, Rossi Iglesias had the, the injury early in the season. Um, so there's certainly some concern. And I do think the Braves will, you know, we'll talk about this here in a minute, but I do think the Braves will go out and get some depth just because they always do in the bullpen and, and you really can't have enough depth, but, you know, especially from the right side, you know, as soon as I saw the injury, my first, like the very first thing that popped in my head was after Iglesias, who's the best right-handed pitcher in the bullpen. Like that was the question that I asked myself when I saw that news and you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, like, is it Kirby Yates? Is it, you know, Joe Jimenez? Is it Michael Tonkin? You know, Colin, McHugh has had probably his or not probably definitely his worst season in a Braves uniform and and he's been kind of moved to more middle leverage so you know without Nick Anderson who's the who's the next right-handed pitcher after Iglesias was kind of the question that hit me and I, I think the Braves are probably going to go outside the organization to, to answer that if I had to guess but yeah it's not great news but it's tough to tell how bad a news it is just because the Braves have such a big lead and they can they can do things like this if they want to, even if it's not necessarily a, an injury that requires 60 days, if they are just like, you know what, he's pitched so many innings, you know, it might be something minor, but we're going to give them the maximum amount of time to, to rest and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get them back in September and that'll, that'll be good enough. So it's tough to tell, but it's definitely not news you want to hear. You never want to see one of your best relievers go on the 60 day IL. And the Braves are going to have to continue to do, you know, the 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 roster adjustments, the roster Olympics, whatever you want to call it. But in, in this time of frame, it's good news, right? You know, the Braves have been relatively healthy now for, you know, about six weeks. And they're going to hopefully start getting back some key names. We mentioned Dylan Lee and Jesse Chavez, you know, for the bullpen. We're hopeful. We know that, you know, Max Fried is going to make his second rehab start this Saturday in Rome. Kyle Wright likely will start at some point, I would imagine, you know, toward to the end of July, maybe early August. So reinforcements are coming. Couple that with how big of a lead the Braves have in the division, you know, for a buy in the playoffs. I think they're just fine. But but to your point, you know, we the consistency though that's been there with Anderson, it's been hard to find that with, with other pitchers. You know, I know that Jimenez and Kirby Yates are coming on. Jesse Chavez has been phenomenal. Um, you know, hopefully Dylan Lee will come back and be able to be where he's been. Colin McHugh's kind of been up and down. But but I do agree with you. That's what stands out. And and even Rysel Iglesias has been more prone to blowups this year than we've seen in the past. This team definitely could use a, a right-handed reliever that they can rely upon, a guy that they can call in the eighth and ninth inning that they know can miss bats and can get the job done. And when we start to look out at you know potential teams that the Braves could be in talks with, one thing that stands out, Stephen, the, the Tigers, the, the Pirates, the A's, you know, you can also count the Royals, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Nationals. Many of those teams the Braves have had previous dealings with even four relievers, but there are definitely some names out there that can get ground balls, that can produce, you know, good, good strikeout rates. Maybe when they get to Atlanta and get in our system can do better than you thought. 
The good thing for the Braves is there are multiple teams with multiple names that they can go out and get. So even if it's not right now, they can wait to find the right deal that's a value. Yeah, and, the, you know, the thing about relievers, and especially, you know, when you talk about rentals, which is, you know, basically you're you're trading for a player that's only got the rest of the season under contract is they really don't cost anything in terms of prospects. Like the the cost, you know, the, the Braves famously rebuilt their entire outfield in 2021 of mostly rentals and they were able to do it without giving up really anything because, you know, rentals just don't bring back as much as they used to. So, um, you know, the Braves can, you know, even though the Braves are probably, you know, 29th, 30th in terms of farm system rankings or a number of prospects, um, you know, you can still find value. You can still find plenty of value. And there are guys, you know, the Cardinals have some guys, the Royals, like you said, have some guys, the White Sox, if they decide to sell, you know, that's what a lot of it's going to be is, you know, which teams definitively put their, you know, their, um, their name in the hat of, you know, buyers or, or sellers. That's where it's really going to get interesting in terms of what exactly is out there. Um, the Cardinals came out today or, or no, that was yesterday. They came out and said, you know, we're definitely going to trade some guys. And that was big because that doesn't balance out the buyers and sellers list a little bit. But, you know, if the White Sox would do it, you know, maybe even like the Mets, if the Mets had a really rough you know, next couple of weeks and dropped way out of it. The Mets have some interesting relievers, you know, David Robertson, everybody knows about. So um, veteran guys who are on either expiring deals or close to expiring deals, those guys can be had and, and, you know, you don't really have to pay a lot for it. And so I, that's definitely the direction I think the Braves will go, you know, uh, individual names, you know, everybody knows Scott Barlow of the Royals, Chris Martin of the Red Sox, you know, Chris Stratton of the Cardinals, um, you know, there's Jordan, everybody knows Jordan Hicks, you know, if the Card- the Cardinals probably have three or four guys that would be interesting if, if nothing else. So there's a bunch of names. I mean, it's, it's tough to tell, you know, there's guys who are probably available that we don't even know about. So it's tough to actually pinpoint a name, but there's plenty of, there. you know, there's always enough open help out there where you can go get a guy or maybe even two guys and not really have to break the bank to do it. So that's what I expect Alex to do. Even if they're not overly concerned about these guys, you can't have enough bullpen help, you know, I mean, Jesse Chavez has been a miracle all year. It, would, it, it wouldn't shock anybody if he had, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, um, I don't want to say a bad, but a not quite as good second half as he did first half or, you know, same thing with, you know, Michael Tonkin has been a, a godsend for the Braves. And if he turned back into the guy he was before he was with the Braves, I, I don't think anybody would be shocked by that. But those are, you know, those are scenarios where you need depth. And so I, I imagine even if they're not overly concerned about um, Nick Anderson, I imagine they're still going to go get some depth. Yeah, and the good thing is, is that, you know, to your point, Alex Antopoulos has had a lot of success with rentals, but he's also had some good success going out and get cost-controlled guys as well. You know, back in 2019, when he revamped the bullpen overnight with Shane Green, Mark Melanson, and Chris Martin, all those guys were under control. You know, he went out and got Rysel Iglesias. He was under control. So that may, especially with Colin McHugh and, you know, Joe Jimenez, others potentially, uh, you know, in the bullpen not, you know, under contract next year, may not be here next year, that may be an option. But I'll expand it a little bit, um, uh, Stephen, in, in the fact that bullpen seems to be the biggest focus of this group when it comes to what they should add. And for whatever way you want to put it, the Braves have or the Braves have more reason than any team to go all for it. I'm not saying go trade for Shohei Otani, but let Alex Anthopoulos maneuver on the margins like he always does successfully. 
Go, you know, patch up anything that you need and let's go for it. But where do you stand with this Braves team? I mean, obviously their offense is on a historical run. The pitching, uh, the starting staff's getting the reinforcements. The bullpen is there. But, you know, as we know, you know, just because you have the best record through the first half of the season, it doesn't always correlate to playoffs. As a matter of fact, it's very rare that it does. Where do you stand, Stephen, on this team as far as their opportunity in playoff baseball are you pretty confident that they right now are in the best position of any team out there or do you think there's one or two things they definitely need such as max reed obviously returning to form well yeah with max obviously it's a different equation if he's healthy then you know if if you have max and spencer one two then you feel good in any playoff series because you know they've got to beat those guys and and with the braves offense you know it's it's going to be tough to beat score enough runs off those guys that you can beat the Braves offense. So, yeah, I mean, the Braves are the best team in baseball at the moment. So, you know, if you look at the world series odds, it's funny, you know, in other sports, the best teams in the sports, you know, they usually have 50, 60%, you know, chance of winning the the title, whatever it is in that particular sport. But in baseball, it just doesn't work that way. You know, the best team in baseball usually has like a 15 or 20% chance to win a world series just because, you know, that's the playoffs. They're, they're just random. And we saw that last year with the Phillies. We saw that the year before with the Braves. Like, very, 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 very rarely does the best team actually win the World Series. And so, but, you know, the best thing you can do is put the most talent on the field as possible and then just hope it goes your way. Like, there's no, there's no way to control the randomness. So all you can do is try to mitigate the randomness as much as possible by adding as much talent as possible and, and trying to just overpower randomness with talent. And so, you know, that's what I would love to see the Braves do. Obviously some of it's going to come down to, to money and, you know, the Braves are the highest payroll they've ever had before. I don't know how much more, you know, Alex has at his disposal to use to, to add in, at the deadline. I'm sure they would love to add a couple of relievers, you know, if Max and Kyle are going to come back and if they're still confident about those guys coming back, I don't really know that you need to add a starter. I know some people have speculated about that, but especially with Soroka looking better and, and Colby Allard coming on and you still got Schuster and Dodd and, and those guys and, and Smith Shaw. So you've got some depth to play with. You know, if you're confident that those guys are coming back, I don't really think you really need to add a, a starter. You definitely could add bench help. You know, you can always add bench help. I've said this before, but, you know, Scott and I talked about this on the, the main show the other day, but, you know, I think, um, Sam Hilliard's spot could be upgraded. He's kind of been relegated to a pinch runner pitch uh, or defensive replacement role. And the Braves don't really have that kind of big left-handed bopper off the bench that you could use if, if a tough righty comes in. I, I would love to see them go get somebody that can, you know, be more of a weapon at the plate from the left side. Uh, but, you know, offensively, it, you know, you're, it, you're getting kind of greedy, right? If you're, if you're trying to get too much more offensive help, I mean, this team is just absurd loaded to the max in terms of offensive talent. So, you know, that's probably a pretty low on the priority list. I think the bullpen is, is the far and away the most important thing to upgrade, but yeah, they're the best team in baseball right now. So yeah, you feel as good of, about their odds as anybody, but you know, baseball is baseball. And, you know, if you ask me right now to, if I had to pick it, you know, the Braves to win the World Series or the field, I would pick the field because that's base. That's how baseball works. You, you never pick just one team in July. I don't care how good they are. So, you know, that's just the sport we've we've chosen. And uh, but, yeah, Braves are as well set up as anybody, though. Yeah, but looking at it the other day in the wild card era, you know, the Braves are one of the 2023 Braves are one of 12 teams that have 60 plus wins through the all-star break in a single season, you know, since 1995. 
only four of those 12 teams made the World Series and only three of them won it. So yeah. that just goes to show that, you know, that that's a 25% rate to your point. So um, it's, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely take the field. Well, you know, the other news of the day, obviously, was that, um, you know, as far as a, a corresponding move, you know, we, we um, uh, claimed outfielder Dalton Guthrie from the Giants. We designated a reliever, uh, Rodery Munoz. He was with the Braves for a few days. We designated him for assignment, and uh, Stephen added back, you know, Lucas Lickey. Just now, I don't know necessarily. We previously designated Lucas Lickey for assignment. He stayed with the organization. I don't know if he's going to be there for long, but you know, he'll probably be here until we have other roster moves to make. But the other thing that stands out for today is we get into some other news and notes of the day. Stephen was that the Braves did sign, you know, they're they're moving fast and furious to sign the top players, actually their whole draft class. Um uh Hurston Waldrip, uh Drew Hackenberg, uh Chad Keeler, uh Garrett Ballman and and Isaiah Drake, the main five guys, they probably took up 75% of the signing signing pool, but they're all signed now, so we should continue to see that as time goes on. But Stephen, the thing I'll ask you is this. We just talked about the fact that if you would have asked us two months ago when Max Reed and um, Paul Wright, my brain's dead right now, when both those players went on the IL, starting pitching would just obviously seem to be the biggest need the trade deadline. But the Braves have had so many of these young pitchers that have stepped up to just fill the role until time goes on. It seems like the Braves are wanting to continue to fill that part of their minor leagues. Get guys in who can move fast, who you can develop, and who can be reliable. That really stands out because, as you've you know acknowledged for years, that just remains a strength of this team. Just developing young pitchers, especially when it comes to right-handed pitchers, maybe some more relievers this time around, but this draft certainly adds to the strength of the Braves continuing to develop that starting pitching and relief depth. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was curious to see what they did in this draft just because Dana Brown moved on. Obviously, he's the he runs the the Houston Astros baseball ops now and I wanted to see what direction if any, you know, if there was any significant change and there really wasn't. I mean, this, you know, ever since Anthopoulos has been the the guy in Atlanta, you know, they've really leaned heavy on college arms. And they, you know, they feel comfortable about the competition level. They feel like they can move them quickly. Like you said, they feel like they can make, you know, impacts a little uh, faster. You know, the Braves are obviously a team that is trying to win a world series every year. So, you know, they, you know, they may not want to do the the prep arm, the 17 year old prep arm that's five years away. You know, the, the 20, 21 year old college arm that's two years away is probably a little bit more attractive if you can get, you know, all things being equal. So that's definitely the, that's definitely the range they're at and, and kind of the, the profile they use. And, you know, I, I, I'm as ignorant about the draft as anybody you'll ever talk to. I don't follow prospects. I don't follow the draft. So I have no idea about any of these guys or how good they'll be. I'll tell you in 10 years, how good they'll be. Um, but you know, that the Braves have kind of stuck to their same MO, which is college arms, you know, more advanced arms. It obviously worked with Spencer Strider. It worked with Kyle Wright. Uh, Max Fried was a prep arm, but that was a different, that was a different uh, uh, regime and they didn't draft Max Reed. They traded for him. So, um, you know, we'll see. That's, that's kind of the answer with every draft is, you know, you'll know in 10 years how good of a draft it was. And it's good that they're, they're getting signed. That means they can, you know, the faster you sign, the faster you get going with pro ball and you can get assigned to a, a league and you can get your career started. You know, you don't ever want to see a, a guy, you know, drag out his signing for months and, um, you know, and get kind of behind the eight ball. So it's good they've got most of their top guys signed, and yeah, we'll see how good they are. 
And of course, when it comes to, you know, the fact that the Braves are going to, you know, likely be drafting towards the back of the first round for years to come, you've got so much of your lineup locked up for years to come. The Braves have found their avenue to successfully develop pitching depth. That pitching depth has been tested more so this year than it has in previous years. So it makes sense for the Braves to just stick with what has worked in the past and continue to move on. And it certainly seems to be that's the case. But, you know, we got plenty of business to handle here in 2023, um, Stephen. But 2024 was also in the news today because the Braves 2024 schedule was released. I wrote up a, a piece for uh, BatteryPower.com just looking at different parts of the schedule. I'll get into my thoughts in just a moment. But Stephen, from what you've been initially looked at when it comes to the Braves 2024 schedule. Just any initial thoughts from you um, as far as how, you know, the schedule looks for the Braves next year? Yeah. I mean, the thing I look for these days is, is because we now have the balanced schedule and we play every team every year. I kind of look at the, you know, the first things I always look at is kind of the American league side of the schedule and see, you know, the first week of the season, we go to Chicago to play the White Sox, which I don't, I can't, I don't really remember the last time the Braves were in that stadium. I'm sure they have been. I just don't remember it. Um, you know, the Braves go to Houston, which will, I think will be the first time they'll, they've been in that park since they won the World Series. Um, you know, they go uh, to Seattle. Um, you know, that's kind of the stuff I look at. I did notice that the Braves open on the road again, which is like the seventh, I think the seventh time in eight years since the new park has been open that they opened the season or they were scheduled to open the season on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, now that you have the balanced schedule and you play every team every year, it, it's really just, you know, are they playing them on the road or are they playing them at home is kind of the only thing that, that really changes these days. And so, yeah, it's much less of a thing than it used to be just because you play every team every year. So, but it, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't realize the schedule was dropping today. So that was a nice surprise and obviously it gives us something to talk about, but no, there's nothing crazy. I'm sure there's probably something in the minutia, you know, there's probably like a, you know, you got to fly across country at, three o'clock in the morning and play the next day. I'm sure there's something in there that I'm not seeing, but other than the, you know, the normal stuff, you know, I always look at these days, I look at the the cross matchups, the, the AL matchups and just see, you know, what parks we get to visit that maybe we haven't been to in a while and, 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 you know, stuff like that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and in the piece that I had wrote, you know, to your point, looking at, you know, the, the interleague matchups, the fact you don't play your division as much, a couple initial things that stood out is that, you know, hey, we all know how awesome it's been for the Braves to get off to a good start to this year, you know, when they haven't in recent years. They get off to a great start. Well, next year... April is going to be a tough, tough month. You've got a series against the Phillies, against the Mets, two against the Marlins. Plus, you've also got series against the Rangers, the Diamondbacks, and the Guardians. Each of those teams are either leading their division or tied for the division lead. So a very, very tough month for Atlanta that's going to you know, have huge impact on the division race as well as the Braves' overall success. Um, the NL East, 52 games total against the other four teams in the NL East, and nearly 60% of them are either in the first 40 or last 40 games of the season. That stands out. The good thing for the Braves is that their West Coast trips are spread out. I believe that it was, um, uh, you know, um, in uh, late May or late 
April, early May, uh, July, and August. You know, that stood out as well. So you're not getting, you know, those back-to-back or late in the year. And just in general, you know, I know that the Braves are going to be, you know, starting off, you know, for the fourth time in the past seven years, they're facing the Phillies. They're going to start off, you know, in the north in April. So we may get some crazy weather. But I think overall pretty pretty spread out. And the good thing is, is that we shouldn't see much, you know, change to the team. I know, you know, some fans may want some big additions to be made. But the good thing is we won't see a major overhaul when it comes to this team. And, and before we get to 2024, Stephen, we've got plenty to work on when it comes to 2023. And I just asked you what you thought about this team, you know, as they go into the playoffs. But looking at this July schedule, you know, coming up, does anything stand out to you? I, I know that we're, you know, here in the near future going to see Shohei Otani. We're starting off against the White Sox. But anything just in this initial first week or two? I know we're waiting for Max Reed to come back and for some players to come back. But just in general, in terms of starting off this second half of the season, does anything stand out to you that you're really looking at to make sure things continue to go the way that they have? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the big story will be in the first few weeks is what, what's happening with Max. Um, you know, what kind of updates are we getting? He, he's got a rehab start. I think his second rehab start is here pretty soon. Um, you know, how he feels after that. And then, you know, the next day, the next day, you know, the, the all kind of the normal stuff and, and then kind of see what trajectory he's on. It looks like he's on kind of a an early August, you know, trajectory, which I think is pretty normal. I think that's what we've kind of all assumed. So that's the big story. You know, you don't want to see any kind of, you know, you don't want to see any kind of big swoons in terms of play. You would love to come out and take the first series against the White Sox. They're not a good team. They're having a rough year. You know, that's a series you should win. Arizona's obviously a good team. They're winning the they're or they're leading the the West, but you know, it's at home. Um because it's the second series coming out of the break, you should avoid, you know, you're not gonna see their one, two, and three like you would if it's the first series. So um, you know, but we'll see that you know that's baseball, anything can happen. Um, you know, the Braves could come out and you know, pick up right where they left off and win another series. The Braves come out and lose the first three series, you know, that's baseball and anything can happen, but the stuff with Max is the stuff that I, I want to see um, in terms of progression. Same with Kyle Wright. I hope we get a little bit more information on Kyle in terms of when he might be back. It's not a rush to get him back, obviously, with the, the as big a lead as the Braves have. But, you know, a timeline, some sort of timeline on Kyle, which I, we really haven't gotten yet. So, um, but, yeah, that's kind of the big stuff. The Braves have such a big lead. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a basically a nine and a half game lead with a tiebreaker. So, um, you know, you don't have to you don't have to stress over every win and loss. I know, I know fans will, but you don't really have to because it's, it's a very large lead and, and I'm, I'm still highly skeptical of the Marlins overall, but um, yeah. So the, you know, kind of the over overarching storylines are a little bit more important to me. Where's Max, where's Kyle, you know, what's this game, what's going on with Nick Anderson, what's going on with, you know, Dylan Lee, what's going on with Jesse Chavez is, is Minter okay. You know, the stuff that sets us up for October is, is more important than probably the, the granular stuff of, of what's happening on the field. And, and, and obviously then, you know, the trade deadline that's coming up at the end of the month. So that's going to be the next big thing is, is what do the Braves do? How do the Braves improve? You know, what areas do they think they need to, uh, to, to improve in? So, yeah, that's all I'm looking for. Um, I just, I want Max back and want Kyle back and, you know, get, if this team can get healthy and get all of its pieces back, then I'll take, I'll take my chances in October doesn't mean we'll win, but just give me a healthy Max, give me a healthy Kyle, and see what this team can do in October, and, and I'll be happy. 
And Stephen, as the playoffs line up right now, the way that it would work is that the Braves should definitely, you know, there's a very good chance they'll keep the first spot. Um, the Dodgers, you know, are in the second spot right now, but they're in a dead heat with the Diamondbacks. And then the way that it would set up in the brackets, the Braves would be one, the Dodgers would be two, three would be Cincinnati, and they would face the sixth seed in that, you know, opening three-game series. They would face the Giants. So Cincinnati and the Giants, the winner of that would go on to face the Dodgers. And then the Braves would face the winner of the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. Now, none of these teams necessarily just jump off paper. You know, I think the Braves can handle the Marlins just fine. I think they've shown they can handle uh, the, the Diamondbacks just fine. But do any of these teams, are they a move or two away? And you can see them making those moves to potentially really be competition for the Braves. Is it just the Dodgers are in that next tier by themselves under the Braves? When you look at that NL playoff picture, does any team stand out it's just being like, okay, if this team does a few things, they really could be better competition than we might anticipate. I mean, you you should always be worried about the Dodgers because they have, you know, they have Mookie Betts and they have Freddie Freeman and, and you know, they've got Clayton Kershaw. So they can beat you in October anytime. I've always maintained that I think the Phillies are the second best team in the division. Um, you know, I think they've underperformed their talent level. And I think if they add a couple pieces and – the pieces they have start playing to their talent level, that team that is still one of the most talented teams in baseball. I mean, they've got, they've got Wheeler, they've got Nola, they've got Harper, they've got Turner, they've got, you know, they've got Castellanos, they've got Real Muto. You know, if they had another bat, uh, you know, they've got Schwarber, um, you know, they probably need one more bat to be a little bit more consistent. They need, they need Bryce Harper to look like Bryce Harper. Yeah. If they had a bat, if they had another, maybe starter Ranger Suarez hasn't been quite as good this year, but, you know, that's a team that I, I'm always scared. I'm always worried about the Phillies because the Braves don't play the Phillies as well as they play the Marlins and the Mets. I don't know why, but they don't. You know, the, the Braves kind of famously, you know, two of the last four years, I think the Braves have opened the season in Philadelphia and gotten swept both times. And, you know, I don't know what it is about the Phillies, but the Braves just don't play the Phillies as well as they play the other teams in the division. So, you know, if you put a lie detector on me and said, what team worries you the most? Honestly, it's probably the Phillies because I think there's a lot more in there than they've shown. And if they start playing to their talent level and, and increase their talent level with a couple of trades, then yeah, I think they could really make noise. And, you know, it could be a situation where they, they sneak into the playoffs at 85 wins. And then, you know, kind of like last year where you got to beat them in a wild card round, you know, because they got hot and, I mean, when you're the best team in baseball, the thing you worry about most in October is playing the, the hottest team in baseball. So probably the, if, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say the Phillies are the team that still scares me most. And some of that's probably residual from last year. But I, I just I, I, I've always been a kind of a big believer in their talent level. So uh, Dodgers and Phillies, probably my answer at this point. And listen, at the end of the day, when it comes to a playoff series, it's hard to argue against if, if Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are on number one over the past five years. They're, they've been two of the biggest thorns in the Braves' sides as far as starting pitching goes in terms of who we've faced the most and who's had the most success against us. And yeah, you you want to talk about us, us having Frieden Strider, Nola and Wheeler are pretty good. So I great point. I, I'm right there with you. Want to get your thoughts shifting a little bit. Want to get your thoughts, Stephen, also on the fact that, you know, in baseball in general, you know, um, uh, Rob Manfred gave, you know, I guess it's his annual state of the, you know, league address or whatever, talked about several different things over the All-Star breaks. A couple of things, you know, looking at the Braves in particular, you know, the Braves could be in the mix for the 2025 All-Star game. He also talked about, you know, it seems like that then now there's a bit of a longer, you know, view of time when, when robo-umps may make their appearance in baseball. He also 
talked about, you know, the idea of expansion. You know, they first want to take care of Oakland and, and Tampa Bay situations. Those are a few years from being resolved. So it may be another, you know, three, five years at the earliest before we see expansion. But anything in general stand out to you from the comments that Rob Manfred has made over the past couple of days? Well, the robo-umps is always an interesting conversation because, you know, the the tech the tech behind the robo-umps is always a little more complicated than people think it is. People think we've had the tech for years and years to do it, and we're just not doing it. And that's not true. The tech is a lot more complicated than you think it is. And I do think they've made some big strides. I do wonder how much the umpires union is fighting. You know, I know they're fighting it, but like how, how aggressively are they fighting it? And, you know, the thing about robo-umps is even if you have an automated strike zone, you still need umpires. You still need guys at first, second, third. You still need somebody behind the plate to relay the information. So you can't do this without umpires. So, you know, even if you switch to this model, the relationship you have with the umpires union is still important. You've got to do it. You know, you can't do it in a in an adversarial way. You've got to do it kind of harmoniously. And so I'm interested to see kind of the, the dynamics behind that. Um, if that's something that's really actually the the holdup at this point, or if it's or if it's the tech, they're still a little bit worried about the tech. You know, expansion. I, I I've heard. I swear it's been like 15 years that I've heard. Well, as soon as we get Tampa and Oakland's stadium situations figured out, then we'll expand. And you know, I know the stuff with Las Vegas is kind of um, you know the, the it's picked up the pace a little bit, but you know, until we actually get some of that stuff resolved, I'm not even going to think about expansion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, to be completely honest with you, I don't listen to a lot of what Rod Manfred says. He's probably my least favorite commissioner of any sport ever. So um, I, if I see him talking, I usually mute it, but yeah, the automated strike zone stuff is where I'm probably at in terms of most interest, because I, I do think it, it could add a level of consistency to the game and, and one of the most inconsistent parts of the game, which is balls and strikes being called. But it's 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 more complicated than people probably think it is, and, and the relationship with the umpires union is is bigger than what people probably think it needs, or it's more important than what people probably think it, it is. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably the most interesting of, of of everything that came out to me. And then wrapping up here on this crossover episode between the Daily Hammer and the a podcast to be named later podcast on the Battery Power Podcast Network, Stephen, you wrote a pretty fun article. Um, I believe it was out today um, in which you, you know, talked about, you know, according to WPA, that the most clutch moments or the, 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 the biggest value moments from the Braves offensively, you know, when it came to the first half of the season, there were a couple of Eddie Rosario moments, uh, Orlando Arcia, Sean Murphy, Kevin Pillar. I believe that they were all home runs or, you know, big base clearing hits. But if I were to take those moments off the table, take off the Ozzie Albies game-winning three-run homer against the Mets, what was your favorite moment of the first half of the season? Oh, wow. Uh, you put me on the spot there. Uh, let's see. My favorite moment outside of those, the biggest moments. Um, you know, seeing Soroka back on the mound, you know, even if it didn't really go well the first couple of times he did it, just the the journey he's been on, um, that's been a, that's been really incredible to watch. The Cincinnati series as a whole was as, as much fun as I've had watching. I mean, even though it was stressful as hell and it was, listen, I, I, it would have been a much more fun if I didn't care who won. But that entire series was just so incredibly fun. It was as much fun I've had watching baseball in a long time. Um, that stood out. You know, the kind of year Ronnie's having, the kind of year Olsen is having, that, you know, those aren't obviously individual moments, 
but there's been a ton of individual moments built within those. That's the stuff that stands out. I'll probably, yeah, probably the Cincinnati series was probably the most fun. Um, that Mets series, you know, that whole game, that 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 uh, 13-10 game, that whole comeback was really fun. Um, and yeah, and having and having Soroka back, that's been that's been really cool. That's probably where I would, without having one single moment off the top of my head, that's probably where I would go. All right. So so my moment is the Spencer Strider. Um, the Saturday before the all-star break scenes. I know there's more exciting moments, but moments that are just like, okay, when you're focusing on the playoffs, do we have what we need? Do indicators that we're where we need his dominance of the Tampa Bay Rays lineup, the second best offense in a lot of different metrics was so much fun to see. And just him being on like that, that to me stood out as a fun moment. So Steven, as we end the podcast, don't mean to put you on the spot. We're going to have a little fun here. Going to have a little bit of over-under when it comes to some history potential that the Braves can make. And we'll start off with Spencer Strider. Right now, 166 strikeouts. You know, they talked on Battery Power TV. He potentially could come, I believe, the first pitcher since 2019 with 300-plus strikeouts in a season. Over-under Spencer Strider, 300-plus strikeouts this year. Um... Man, that's tough. That's so many strikeouts. And the Braves are, you know, if the Braves are blowing the division out of the water, I don't know if he's going to make every single start. Um, I would probably have to take the under. I know that's not fun. I know that's lame. But my brain won't let me do it any other way. I think I would have to take the under there and just have to be surprised if I was wrong. But, yeah, I don't know if he's going to make every, you know, you got to make 30, probably 35 starts to, to really get that. And I don't know if he's going to get there. I think they're probably going to limit him. And they've also done the thing where they give him an extra day's rest, you know, every other time through the rotation. So I don't think he'll actually get to the number of starts necessarily. It's not because I think he'll his performance will drop. I don't think he'll actually get the, the enough starts to get there. So I'll take the under on that one. I'll take the under as well. All right. So so let's let's continue the fun. Matt Olson. Currently 29 home runs. Andrew Jones franchise record of 51 back in 2005. Over and under. Uh, let's go. Let's go 50. Does Matt Olson get 50 home runs? I will take the over on yeah. Matt Olson getting 50 homers. He has been. You know, we didn't really see it a ton last year. He had a lot of doubles last year, but we didn't see like the prodigious, you know, 50 homer power that he's always had, and he's he's so much more comfortable, so much more comfortable this year, and. Yeah, it's going to, you know, obviously you're going to play the entire, the rest of the way in, in pretty much the heat of the summer. And yeah, I think he'll get, what is he at, 29 now? Yeah, I think he's got, I think, you know, I think he'll break the record. I think he'll probably end at like 55 or 56. If he, Obviously he has to stay healthy. That's the big thing. But yeah. bearing any, barring any injury, yeah, I'm taking the over. I, and I think that may be, this may be a bit of a hot take, but I'm right there with you. I think that he definitely is locked in. And I think that he wants that 50 home run season. I definitely think that he, you know, is motivated to to really, you know, after last year for a lot of different reasons, he's motivated to, you know, just put it in there of how good he is. So I think that he sends a new franchise record. Let's expand it a little bit. So 169 home runs, 168 right now, I believe for the Braves. The 2019 Twins have the major league record for home runs in the season with 307. Braves right now on pace for 314, 313. Steven, do the Braves set a new major league record for most home runs in the season by a team with 308 home runs? Yeah, see, that's another one where it's 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 tough. That's so many home runs. Like 2019 was the, you know, I don't know if people know this, but 
if you look at like the top 10 most homers in a season, like eight of them are from 2019. That was, that was the year where the ball was, you know, basically a golf ball. So um, I'm going to take the under on that. That's, that's so many homers. It's really tough. I mean, you think about how many homers the Braves have hit in, you know, in the first half, and they're only like seven homers above the pace it would take to, to pass that record. So that that's pretty absurd. I think the Braves, as, as much power as the Braves have, I don't know if they'll continue at this rate where they're hitting, you know, two homers a game. I, I'm going to say they're going to finish right around 300. That, now, that will be plenty for the franchise. The franchise record is like 250 or something yeah. like that. Like, they'll blow that out of the water. But in terms of the all-time, I'm going to take the under on that one. A few more here. Over under three Braves in the top 10 finishers for the MVP race. Oh, I could definitely see that just because, you know, now you're just now you, all you're talking about is the national league. So you're going to have Freddie in there. You're going to have Mookie. You're probably going to have Corbin Carroll in there. Obviously Acuna and Murphy are both going to be in there. So it really is like, does Matt Olson get in there? That's kind of the question. Yeah. Um, and if I'm saying he's going to hit 56 homers, then I'm probably going to say yes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's, that sounds crazy to have three guys, but I mean, the Braves have been the best team in baseball because of their position players mostly. So yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I'll take the, I'll take, wait, am I doing over under? Let me, let me, I should have prepared you better over under two and a half Braves being in the top 10. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little different. So that's what's most likely. Um, I would, I would probably take the under on that just because I think two is more likely than three. Gotcha. But if you said, is it possible the Braves could get three? Absolutely. It's possible. It's very, it's very much possible. But if you, if you phrase it like that, then I'll, I think two is more likely than three. Gotcha. And then the final one here, Ronald Acuna Jr. 40 stolen bases or excuse me, 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases over under. 40, well, he's definitely going to get 70 stolen bases because yeah. he's at like 41 now. Yeah. Um, so it's really, is he going to hit 40 homers? Um, the ground ball rate is still high. Yeah. So that's a problem that you, you know, if it wasn't as high as it was, I would say definitely over. Um, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to be fun. I'm going to say over just because I want it to happen. I want him to go sure. 40, 40, 80 or something, you know, absurd like that. Some crazy number that's never been done before. So I'll take the over. I think he will get on a stretch. He did it a couple times where he got, you know, four or five homers in a week. And I think he'll do that a couple more times or even though it's not like the consistent homer, every 10 at bats or 12 at bats that we've seen in the past, I, I think he'll get these hot enough of these hot streaks where he can hit, you know, five or six in a, in a 10 day period where he'll get there. It might be right at 40, but man, how incredible would that be? A 40, a 40, 80 season to win the MVP would be, some truly like groundbreaking, never before done stuff. That would be so much fun. And again, he's got to stay healthy. Just knock on wood. Just please God, just give Ronald Acuna a healthy, you know, a healthy season. But yeah, I, I'm going to say over or yeah, I'm going to say he'll, he will pass 40 homers and he'll, he'll at least have a 40, 70, if not 40, 80 season. And I don't mean to not be fun, but you know, I definitely want him to sit there, you know, 
do something never been done before. But once he gets to, you know, 40, 65, 40, 70, also he started every game this season. I know that he's in more than enough shape to handle the load. I also just don't want him to sit here and just get burnt out, you know, trying to make history. And then when the playoffs come around, you know, he's he's more tired than maybe he, he should be. But I'll I'll stop, you know, being the, the old man yelling at the lawn type of <laughs> um, approach. I'll take 40, 70 and, and, and go from there. But yeah, I, the whole point of the over-under, Stephen, was just to once again go through just all the absurd history the Braves could potentially make. But Stephen, been great talking with you again. Covered a lot of stuff. Uh, Stephen and Chris will be here every week with the podcast to be named later. Brad and Scott Coleman will be, back, will be back on their regular schedule this Sunday with the Battery Power Podcast. And I'll be, you know, in and out during the week uh, with the Battery Power Podcast, or excuse me, with the Daily Hammer Podcast. But Stephen, anything else for us as we wrap up this edition of the Daily Hammer Podcast to be named later crossover? No, we appreciate you jumping in kind of last minute, Sean. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you. But, yeah, it's, it's, it should be a really fun second half. Um, we've got a ton of content. Obviously, we just had the draft. And if you follow the site, you know we've been pumping out content like crazy. Um, it's not going to stop because the trade deadline is right around the corner. And, and obviously, games start back tomorrow. So come check out the site. Come check out, you know, uh, the podcast network. Obviously, we've got the multiple shows. And, and yeah, Sean, we really appreciate you hopping on, buddy. Stephen, chance to get to talk with any of y'all is always a joy in my mind. So it's great to talk with you. Great insight as usual. You have a great um, continued start or continued summer. Um, and we'll talk with you again soon. His name is Stephen Tolbert again. And I don't need to say this. It's already well known. One of the best minds when it comes to Braves country. Find him at B underscore outliers on Twitter. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SAC. The Battery Power Podcast, podcast to be named later, Daily Hammer all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, and across all forms of wherever you get your podcast. That's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button. For Stephen Tolbert, my name's Sean Coleman. Always a pleasure to talk with you. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network.